Jungle Podcast is raw, it's real, it has zero gimmicks, zero bullshit, and absolutely zero fucks to give. Welcome to the Iron Jungle. This is real, no bullshit, no holds barred, wide fucking open podcast. We've been at this far too long to be fucking around. This is the jungle. Where anything goes, no holds barred. We're going to be talking about the real shit. How to succeed. In a world where you have goals, but there's so much misinformation and bullshit trying to sell you something. This is the informative podcast. And there's no hope behind the jungle. The question is, are you ready? Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the iron jungle. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Iron Jungle Podcast. It is 2020. The first episode of the newest decade with the Vanilla Gorilla, Drew Peters. Ryan Buckeye here to talk a topic. Uh, you would think on the surface, Drew, it's a simple topic, but it's actually pretty goddamn complex. And uh, we're going to try to simplify it up for people listening to this, especially being the first topic of 2020. Everybody seems to make these New Year's resolutions, and they always want to lose weight. They want to get in better shape, and they last, you know, three, four weeks maybe, and then they give up because they get frustrated because they're not seeing changes. Well, one of the biggest reasons people get frustrated, Drew, is why? One, because they try to run before they even know how to crawl when it comes to things like nutrition. It's not a difference of just killing yourself at the gym. It's not a matter of picking a specific diet. It's having just a fundamental understanding of what actually nutrition is at the very basic level, you know? So I think today the reason we're covering this, even though for some is like, well, duh, you probably learned something too because we're going to take a little bit deeper dive, talk about some more, I guess, controversial or not so much spoken about things and see if we can help people out. Exactly. And uh, obviously the premise of nutrition really kind of boils down to a thing called calories. It's, it's what fuels us. A calorie is a unit of energy, right? I think it's like the actual definition of it. Um, we burn calories for energy, for fuel. Calories are super important. We need them. We need a basic minimum caloric intake to even live as a human being. Um, and then there's different variations of calories in which you can calculate, which is what Drew does a really good job at in terms of how many calories a day do you need to maintain where you're currently at? How many calories a day do you need if you want to cut or bulk? Um, that is the concept of calculating your macros. There's plenty of different macro calculators out there. We can even talk about that even a little bit today as well. But I think we first need to just talk on calories in general. Like what is a calorie? And calories consist of three macronutrients that most people know have heard of, but they don't know a lot about them. It's fats, carbs, both of which get negative connotations associated with them. And then the third and probably most popular one that people are well aware of is protein. I guess it, it, for all of you wondering there, if you ever actually know what the definition of calorie is, it's a unit of measure of heat equal to the amount of heat required to raise the temperature of one gram of water, one degree Celsius. Yeah. Most people aren't going to give a fuck about that, nor does like, okay, how does that apply in the real world? And you don't really have to worry about that. In other words, basically you're measuring how many units of energy are in a specific food. So as Ryan alluded to, sometimes um, people don't know the common terminology, so mm -hmm. we're going to cover that really quickly. You can know that the three big ones as your macronutrients, the large my, macro, protein, carbohydrates, fats, also known as lipids. Those are the three main things that, of course, calories are derived from. Interestingly, there's also um, you can have calories in alcohol, which is kind of its own little nutrient group, as well as there's some different uh, kind of curveballs within those. And we'll kind of cover those very briefly later. But first and foremost is understand that all of these uh, macronutrients are made up of calories and is measured in grams. So, for example, protein per one gram has four calories. Mm. Carbohydrates per gram has four calories. Fats, also known as lipids, have nine calories per gram. You get into alcohol, interestingly, has about seven. 
So we're not going to worry about the alcohol today. I mean, you probably shouldn't be doing drink, a lot of drinking anyway if you're having news resolutions on track. But today, for the scope of this, we're going to focus on those main three to start with. Those are your macro nutrients, your big nutrients you need to worry about on a large scale. Right. There's also things called micronutrients, and those pertain to things like vitamins and minerals. All your vitamins A, B, C, D, E, K, uh, potassium, magnesium, calcium, all those good things. And then your other things, um, you know, micro vitamins and minerals. So that's your distinction. You need to, of course, have your set daily values in them throughout the day, but understand that is kind of the basic concept of what makes up the food. It's the chemistry of the food you eat on a daily basis. Yeah, and we've talked about it on the past before podcast. Like within each of those um, macronutrients, you can even boil those down to even more complexity, especially with fats. And Drew's gone. I don't remember what episode it was, but we've talked about the different fats. Um, we've talked about the different types of, of carbohydrates between simple and complex, and protein is, is essentially just protein. But um, I, I think what a lot of people they don't do when they go into their news resolutions and they want to lose weight they just they don't know how they don't know what they're doing and we've talked about that before on this podcast too and and really the biggest the, the biggest starting point that people should do is they should calculate how many new, how much calories they should actually be having each day into the three major macronutrient groups which then would require them to actually track what they eat which it's not hard, Drew. It's really not hard. It's just more of like a habit, that a habitual thing that you need to get into. Because every day I have this app called Chronometer that I use on mine. I'm sure you use something similar um, that you can literally scan barcodes. You can put, you know, create your custom foods, whatever you need to do to stay on track. And not to go off, off thing, but one thing, I, my mom, who is, I don't even know how old she is now. She's old as shit. She's going to be 70 this year. 70 years old. She, go, she went on Weight Watchers, okay? Weight Watchers, love it, hate it. What it does is it pretty much simplifies counting your calories or cal, cal, uh, cal, counting your macronutrients because she gets a point system, right? Like, for her, it's easier for her to say, okay, this is five points. Now, it, those points could be bullshit, but in her head, at least she's getting into the habit of counting stuff and staying on plan. Your macronutrients and counting your macronutrients – it's similar. It's just there's three things you need to follow, and you need to essentially account um, for everything. But I think the biggest thing that we should start with here, Drew, is a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, right? I think we've talked about this before on podcast too. Not all calories are created equal. Um, like a, you know, like a uh, hundred calories of an apple versus a hundred calories of a pizza. People always say, well, there's still a hundred calories at the end of the day. Um, but your body can digest them a little bit differently, a little bit quicker. So do you want to dive into the complexity of a calorie in that standpoint? Actually, yeah. One thing I'm going to cover before that, and it pertains exactly to this, is if you're looking, no matter what your goal is, the thing you need to keep in mind is calorie balance. That's yeah. your calories in versus calories out. Calories in is simply defined as the amount of calories you're intaking on a daily basis, your total mm -hmm. calories. Well, step aside, we'll take a look, a look at that in a second with those calories in is composed of in a second, but also for calories out. It's not – this amount of calories you're burning, and there's a fewer factors go into that. One's your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. Yep. That's how many calories you're burning at rest to just fucking living. If you're laying on the couch, not moving, breathing, just you know, having a functioning body that stays alive, that's your basal metabolic rate. The amount of calories it takes to maintain your current body, body weight. Okay. There's uh, physical activity. I mean, the more active you are, typically the higher your calorie um, consumption is going to be in terms of like how many calories your body is burning through. There's also a thing that's um, getting a little more intense these days called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Right. In other words, like if you have an active job or if you just tend to move a lot more and fidget or walk around moving, da, 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 anything that's not exercise related specifically, this activity is calculated into that as well. Um, some people just kind of lump that into physical activity, but then new science is breaking that apart a bit and um, there's also a big important one called TEF 
or also specific dynamic of action, which is basically how much does your uh, food you're eating cost your body to digest it? That's the thing a lot of people don't realize. You know, it, it does. It's food's expensive, quote unquote, mm-hmm. in your body to break it down. There's a thermic effect of food, and that's where Ryan was getting at. Is when you talk about the different effect of different foods, different macronutrients affect your body differently. That's why calories are not created equal, in my opinion. If you're looking for strictly weight loss, sure, calories in versus calories out. But if you're interested in maintaining muscle mass while specifically losing body fat, which would be the, the what you're aiming to do, and people are going to look at that. Oh, I'm, I'm looking. I'm not worried about gaining muscle. I'm not worried about looking like a bodybuilder. Here's the thing: no matter what your goal is, the more lean muscle tissue you have, the higher your metabolism is going to be. The more efficient your body is going to be at burning calories. And you don't have to get bulky, but having a higher metabolism will make your weight loss easier. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, less body fat is desirable. It makes your insulin sensitivity better, among a host of other things. So, getting to that. Protein is the most expensive macronutrient to break down. About anywhere from about uh, 15 to 20 percent of your calories you're ingesting from protein is broken down the digestive process and used as the fuel, of course, to break it down. So, say you have 100 calories from protein, about 20 percent of that, okay, that's going to be burned away just as a thermic effect, just to digest that protein. Carbohydrates aren't are about the second most; they're not as thermic, but anywhere from five to 10 percent, depending on the individual's body. And it can get up as high as 15. Some fibrous things that are more difficult to break down can be more expensive. You know, and then there's uh, lipids, fats. Those are the least um, expensive thermic-wise, and anywhere from five to eight percent, depending on the person and the type. Like MCTs, things that act as a fuel, burn quicker. So even by that, we have that scientific data. I'm sorry, like people want to debate this, but it's fucking science. Right. You know, different macronutrients are different digestive-wise. So it, I do not believe it holds true that calories in are, are is equal across the board. There are some differences that can impact how your body loses said weight or gains lean muscle yeah uh what about so on that standpoint too because i'm also very curious because you're way more educated on this portion than i am but if you're taking digestive enzymes like protease and things like that to help break down proteins faster um in the body how 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 much does the digestive optimizing sports nutritional supplement actually help that process in terms of how much it costs your body metabolically to actually break that down, I don't think that anybody's ever studied that exactly. I'm sure if I find some obscure study, I can bring it back out there quite frankly. I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah. What it does do is you're going to have a better gut flora in terms of things. Like You're, you're not going to have food just sitting in there and undigested. You're going to be able to utilize it better, break it down easier. There's less stress on the digestive system. You're going to feel better in general, especially if you're pounding large amounts of food. You know, Having a little bit of help you know, can just make you feel better digestively. And a big part of that, too, a lot of people are actually honing in on this. There's um, an ingredient I quite like a lot. It's been around for a while and seeing a resurgence is estrogen, which actually mm-hmm. helps nutrient uptake. It helps your body absorb the carbohydrates, amino acids, everything better. So the better you can absorb food and digest food, the more efficient it's going to be. It doesn't matter if you're eating 4,000 calories to gain muscle if your body cannot utilize it and absorb it efficiently. Yeah. Well, let's go back to what you talked about before in terms of you know calories in, calorie out, calories out for weight loss, but not necessarily for lean mass um, preservation, for instance. Let's say that, right? So if I'm eating um, 2,500 calories of straight pizza versus 2,500 calories of, say, lean chicken breast, white rice, and broccoli, I mean, there's still 2,500 calories each, but the one person eating the, the, the chicken, the rice, and the broccoli is probably more well-off to maintain and preserve that muscle mass versus lose it than the person eating the straight pizza, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, think of what those are things are made of. Think of pizza. I don't know the exact truth and facts of pizza can have tons of variables top of your head. You're probably going to have a high, pretty high carb content mm-hmm. as well as a high fat content. You are going to have some protein versus the meats and the cheeses. And now think of the thermic effect of food, okay? 
fat is the least thermic of all the macronutrients. Carbohydrates are second most and protein is lower. I mean, the highest, you know, in terms of how much it thermic effect. Now, I think on the other side, you have chicken, uh, like a pre-protein source, along with rice, which once again is more thermic, and probably the fat from what you listed there, unless you're adding additional fats, is going to be on the lower side. It's a different composition of macronutrients to reach that calorie count. Right. You're going to have a more of a thermic effect when it comes down to the protein chicken. In the real world over time, I would wager that you're going to have better results, feel better, and of course have better lean body mass comp- um as maintenance and uh, retention compared to eating the pizza. If you're worried about strictly weight loss, no, I don't think so much in terms of losing body weight on a scale, you don't have to worry as much it is calories. But if you're looking for improved body composition and overall, in my opinion, long-term health, you're gonna be better off, of course, doing the cleaner approach. Now, where those two worlds come together in a world application, that does mean if you need to do a little bit of flexible dieting, um, you can have some of those things in there and calories will be equal and you can still work towards your goal. The thing is too, I'm gonna be very honest here. I'm a big fan of of course, eating things for function, having things that, you know, are gonna fuel your performance, body composition. But then again, for most people eating chicken and rice or beef and rice or sweet potato, super clean 100%, every meal, every single day, right out of the gate, is not gonna be sustainable. Right. It's a big lifestyle change. If you can work your way into that, okay, sure, it becomes mindless. But at first, if you have somebody that has never done meal prepping before and you put them on a plan like this, and boom, it's like a completely different world, that's where people have an issue with that hearing. And that's why that, you know, that principle calories in, calories out can come into handy. Yeah. It's like when you tell somebody they can't do something, they want to do it just to say they can, you know, it's like you can't have that soda. Well, I'm going to have it just to prove you wrong and they'll drink it anyway. For people who are actually interested in saying, taking the next step, they learn a little bit more about calories and they say, you know what? You're right. I do want to lose weight in 2020. I want to, I want to lose body fat. I do need to start calculating my macronutrients and my calories. Step one is getting that calculation in terms of how much, what is their caloric maintenance at their current body weight, type, age, sex, all those things. Like cheap plug for us at the Fitness Informant, we have a macro calculator that we use using the revised Harris-Benedict formula. Drew probably uses a variation of several different scientific formulas. The best way to do it, obviously, is probably get like a DEXA scan and use your actual body fat percentage in there. Not everybody has access to that. You can do skin fold measurements. But Drew, for you, like being a nutrition coach, what is your favorite um, like scientific method to use to determine somebody's optimal caloric intake based on what they're currently at? Quite frankly, if somebody has whatever they're currently doing, I start with that. So you can plug anybody's numbers into an equation of where they theoretically should be. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, too, I do find you run into some people that have been under eating for quite some time and are still not losing weight or whatever. And okay, like if they're under eating, if I, my theory, you know, in science here, where it's kind of flawed to a degree, it doesn't take into account for this. If you plug in somebody's numbers, they've been eating 1,100 calories a day, their maintenance level is 2,900, you double their calories, their body probably is not going to respond very well. Mm-hmm. In that case, like, okay, that, like, I can spot it right off the bat. Oh, wait, you're under eating, looks like. Yep, according to the equation here, you probably need to eat a little bit more. In that case, you gradually increase that by a certain percentage. Um, it's user independent. Sometimes it's trial and error, but then again, you have the rough number where you're supposed to be. But it is kind of on the fly using the basic principles of like, okay, proteins, carbs, fats, what percentages, so on and so forth, how much lean body mass are we doing, you know, things like that. So, it's not always a cut and dry thing of, oh, here's the equation, here's the exact number, boom, you're going to lose muscle or gain fat right. or whatever it is, you know, just because you're at this number. It yeah, is the big, I think the biggest mistake people make then, too, is if they use a calculator like ours at F5, for instance, they see the number that pops out and they next day ultimately go to that number. Like, yep. if you're not there, 
uh, and you're not close to there, you can actually do more detriment than good. So if you need, if you if you're going to a bulking phase, for instance, and you've been under eating to begin with, and now my calculator says that you need need to eat an additional 1,200 calories per day. Like, don't jump 1,200 calories the next day. You need to gradually increase to that, especially with carbohydrates of nature. Because if you go from say 200 grams of carbs a day to 400 grams of carbs a day your body and your insulin sensitivity might tell you to fuck off and you could cause more problems than good. So uh, to Drew's point, yeah, you, I mean, the best way to figure out kind of what you're currently eating is to start doing a food log. Write down what you're eating uh, and get several days. Actually, I think for somebody like Drew, you probably like to see the last week or, or at least the last four or five oh, days. It depends. I mean, if somebody kind of has like kind of a diet they don't fall on a typical day, like anywhere from two to three days, give me an idea. If they're relatively consistent across the board, I'm all right, we're good here. Just give me an idea of what you've been eating, what kind of foods you've kind of been eating, where your protein's usually at, if you're a carbophobe, if you have no fats in your diet, all these type of things. You, this kind of paints a picture of what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if they have no set plan, they're all over the board. Like, all right, we're starting you from page one and putting you at these many calories and let's see how your body responds. Yeah. Then that's why I like weekly check-in. You know, some people like, oh, I, here's the thing too. I'm not, I'm harping on this. We've talked about this previously. <clears throat> if somebody sends you a diet plan, that's like, oh, it's my, tw- your 12 week diet. Okay. So having never worked with somebody before you're saying them a pre-cut preset diet for the next 12 weeks, how do you know exactly how that body's individual individual's body is going to respond to that stimulus? If you do weekly adjustments or even worst case scenario every other week to mm-hmm. kind of see what the body did in terms of gaining weight, losing weight, or how it visually looks, then that's a better approach because you can adjust on the fly for how the body's responding. Like say, okay, we – this person, their protein got increased a little bit. But we also increased carbohydrates and lowered the fats. And then they you – know, whatever they did, they went up half a pound and they're looking to gain muscle over a course of a week. All right, that's a good gain or rate of gain. Or say, you know, you put somebody at this many calories and they drop three or four pounds a week. Like, wow, that's a lot. Okay. Probably could feed you more because, you know, you're torching through calories. Right. So that's something you always have to keep in mind is is, is no set number. For uh, – I'm just going to mention this and it's probably not relevant to a lot of people listening. But it's important to know, like, if you are – like a bodybuilder or a competitor and you're on super subs, okay, that's going to change things up dramatically as well. So, I mean, it, it, that definitely changes um, the way you utilize your calories uh, towards what you're doing as well. So if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. If you know what that is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it, so if you, another way you can get that too, obviously, is like in terms of like trackability, you could do the old school spreadsheet way and you can track your food that way. You learn a lot doing it that way, that's for sure. Um, the USDA has a nice online directory of a lot of different food types, preparation types, and it tells you how many calories there are per certain ounces. That's the way that I did it. Before all these apps came out, Drew, like I would go to the USDA, the, the FTC website, and say, okay, chicken breast, grilled, three ounces, here's the spit out. It's actually it's pretty awesome to see that. And, like, and that's what a lot of these apps are probably utilizing anyway. Is some of that data that's been already that pre-existing data, um, but that that's one way you obviously can do that to track kind of where you're at and keep track of it. Um, the other thing is like apps. Like I like I said, I use Chronometer. Do you have a cheap plug for an app, Drew, that you use that you really like? Um, honestly, I just always use my Fitness Pal. Yeah, um, I think that's really if good. I need to track stuff on a daily, whatever, just like a quick number is super handy. Everybody has it. Most people have heard of it. For my part, it is pretty accurate. I like the database on it. Um, quite frankly, though, if I'm doing my own meal plan, or which I do, or if I'm making a plan for a client, I've actually taken the time, I've built it out in Excel, and I, I create everything old school kind of on my kind of the, mm-hmm. the spreadsheet. On a, it's like a formula thing. I, it took about three months to build it, so I'm still, of course, updating it as I go. But it's kind of nice because it shows a meal by meal, shows how many calories, uh, serving size, uh, 
grams of protein, carbs, and fats. And right. then on the last page, it's all plugged in. I can add foods to it. Like say I need to, okay, this person, I'm going to add uh, whatever it is, like wild-caught Chinook salmon, whatever. You can look up the data online, plug in the data, then go on there, fill the cell, and it, and it populates and everything adds up your totals. So right. it's kind of like a homemade tracker that I do. And then, of course, from there, I, can, I select it out, print it out PDF, and boom, measure set diet. But yeah. If you on the fly, my fitness pal, you can't really go wrong with. It's been around forever. Yeah, I think what Drew's saying, like if Drew's creating you a plan, he does it old school. Once you get that plan as a consumer, then you can use an app. I mean, you can plug yep. in your macronutrient targets, use the app for it. Um, the one thing that I want to say, uh, two things, like when you purchase, say, pre-prepared food from a grocery store or pre-prepared food from a restaurant. You can look up those nutritional facts data on the website or on the box. Those are estimates. Those are not exacts. So, like, if you go to – I'm going to use Buffalo Wild Wings as an example just because it's, it's NFL football season and playoffs. And if you're going to B-dubs and you look up, like, a small boneless buffalo wing with X sauce, it's going to tell you the nutritional facts. 100% estimate. Those could be off by a fuck ton one yep. way or the other. So just, I mean, track it. Obviously, you have to put something into your app or whatever it is, you need to track it, but just know like you could be actually eating more or you could be eating significantly less depending on the, the, what you actually get. And the same can be said for foods, like coming from the food industry, everything on that label, that nutrition facts panel is a, an estimation of, of what's in that product. That, that's an estimate on calories, it's an estimate on fats, proteins, um, and carbs, it's not an exact. So it's, it's you know, we've always said before on the show, it's, it's kind of like an inexact approach to an exact science, or I think that's the, the terminology that my coach uses, but it's like you want to track as much as you can and be pretty close to it, but at the end of the day, um, unless you're literally measuring the raw cut of meat yourself, like you, you could be off by a little bit, but just be consistent. That's the biggest fucking thing. Yep. It is. It's going to be tough to track things, of course, when you're at a restaurant or getting pre-made meals so on and so forth. You know, sometimes you have to make do with what you have. And quite frankly, a lot of times people are like, oh, how would I know this? Well, when you're first starting out or even if you're not this as familiar or comfortable with it, the reality is you're going to have to measure shit. I'm not going to carry a scale around with you, but prepare your food, take it with you, measure stuff. I've been measuring shit for five years now. Mm -hmm. And I'm for a pretty good degree, I can eyeball stuff. Like if I go out to eat, here's the thing. Like unless I'm in prep, I mean, it's not a huge deal. It's like, all right, um, say example, here's your cheat sheet for the new year. For those of you looking to lose some weight, you go to a restaurant, it's really hard to go wrong with picking up protein, a vegetable source, if you need it, made some carbs. So let's say, for example, say, if you go to like a place, there's a place in Deerfield Beach, just up the street here in Florida, Ocean's 234. It's a great place to go for a business lunch on the ocean. It's badass. Okay, boom, I need protein carbs today boom i'm getting a grilled swordfish steak or an ahi tuna steak a side of the rice and it comes with like grilled asparagus is there probably a little bit of butter on the asparagus probably you can ask to have that left off don't have the sauce and other bullshit on there but you can construct a meal kind of roughly by just knowing what it is avoid yeah. something's fried pick a lean protein hard to go wrong with the grilled chicken breast the steaks and so forth ask how it's prepared make sure there's no butter stuff added to it boom you have a lean protein if you need like whatever many carbs, you can get a plain potato on the side, add a little butter, whatever you need as needed, and boom, you have like a medium or average sized potato. You can eyeball it, you know. So certain stuff like that, it can be, you know, go a long way to helping you maintain your sanity and of course is knowing what you get. But to answer your question, people just need to fucking measure stuff because most people, if you're like, all right, I want you to do an exercise for me here, grab a jar of almond butter, peanut butter, whatever nut butter you want. I want you to scoop out what you think a serving of peanut butter is. <laughs> yeah. And then what That's I want a great you to exercise. do that same thing and weigh out an actual serving of peanut butter and compare and see how close you were. Yeah. Most people live in a little fantasy world, man. I wish I could eat that much peanut butter. It, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I bet I wonder I would be interested to see, like, if you're listening to this, comment on this post when we posted, like, do you own a food scale? I'd be interested to see how many people actually have one. Like, I mean, most people don't. I mean, I bodybuilded. I, I lifted 
regularly for the longest time. I didn't have a food scale until two years ago, two and a half years ago. I finally bought one, and it's I swear to God, like you think you're eating healthy and you're and you look good. Once you start measuring your food and you're meticulous about it, like your body composition and physique changes dramatically, and it can quickly. Um, it's just consistency and actually weighing shit out. So <clears throat> for those listening, like I'm traveling to South Florida down by Drew here in what, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. We're going to go out Friday night after a, a lift session, probably gonna grab some sushi or something. I'll be on prep. Drew's on prep. This is what we're going to do. Like, are we going to bring a food scale with us? Maybe we will. But it's also very tough when we get something like sushi where you got rice that's stuck to it and you have fish in the inside. Yeah. So like one of those things, like it's going to be hard for Drew and I to track what we eat that day. Um, and, but we'll... We'll probably have that conversation at dinner that night and say, look, what are we doing here? But at the same time, um, you know, we've talked about it in the past. Like, you, can, you can allow yourself refeed or cheat meals too. But, I mean, you'll be, I think you'll be full-on prep. And I actually start full-on prep that Monday I get back from Florida. So this is my last like, glorious meal I get to have with you before I have to like, really structure and hone down. But Shit's serious, yeah. Yeah, get, get real serious. So um, let's talk about alcohol because alcohol is – it's popular and it's it's a social thing it's not just like drink to get drunk but people like to have a glass of wine maybe a micro brew whatever it might be because it, it, like i said it's food and alcohol are social activities you know it's it's more than just fueling you to live like you, when you sit around a table and have dinner or food it's a social activity it's what we do for the holidays we're past the holidays now but we're into 2020 people are doing business functions you know people want to try to stay on plan a bottle of beer a glass of wine they have calories into it they are known to many people as, and I believe, I don't know if you've ever used the word before or the phrase before, but empty calories, um, yep. you know, that your body doesn't burn uh, in, in order of like a relevant order or it burns that before it burns the food, I believe. Uh, you talked about this earlier. Uh, on an episode Yeah, basically the issue with alcohol sometimes isn't so much, oh my God, alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. It is calories and the issue with alcohol is that you're, it is a toxin in the body. The body's like, what the fuck? It's going to prioritize metabolizing and getting your body rid of the alcohol before it goes back to burning other things. So don't think of it as like, you know, an end all where alcohol is a fattening agent, but what it is basically is a fat burning suppressor. Mm. In other words, your body's going to prioritize metabolizing the alcohol. Everything else is kind of going to storage mode. It's going to slow down metabolism in that regard. The issue too is like it is calories at the end of the day. It can be stored. And the issue is too, like, okay, you think of those days where like, all right, you know, I go to a tailgate and I have eight beers at a, you know, what, let's say you're at 110 calories, whatever shit they drink in Wisconsin there. I don't, I don't even know, like Bush Light, Bud Light, whatever it may be. Bush Light's the shit, bro. Come on. Don't, it's like, isn't that so that you betcha guy? He opens a can, whoosh. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's I, dude, the days that I actually have drank a beer, Bush Light's fucking disgusting. I'm not going to lie. It's so <laughs> yeah, bad. It's not good. So, it's not good. The point being, you have eight beers at 110 calories. That's 880 fucking calories that you just drank. And that's not accounting for the three brats you had, the chips. You probably had, you know, some food later on because you're not going to eat just, you know, twice that day. You know, it just it, it adds a ton of calories that your body's not used to and mm -hmm. not good calories either. So it's a one-two punch of just suppressing fat burning, proper metabolism, and you're just adding a shit ton of calories. You know, that's why, you know, the funny thing is, oh, I have a supersized fry, a double cheeseburger, and uh, oh, fuck, I'm a Diet Coke. Like, I guess, you know, you're kind of... <laughs> You're trying to minimize where you can, right? Um, it's interesting. So the calories from alcohol are are straight carbohydrates, right? Like they're they're pretty much like 100% carbs for the most part. There's not – I mean there's protein is very minimal. It's like 0.4 well, grams it's of protein. Well, it's I mean, it is, alcohol is its own kind of nutrient. It's about seven calories per gram. So in other words, it does have some carbohydrates in there, which is why it's still kind of funny to me that, oh, Michelob Ultra only has 2.5 carbs per can. 
it still has X amount of grams of alcohol. So, I mean, alcohol is just kind of its own thing. And I, once again, I haven't reviewed the exact mechanism of that for a while. I haven't had to explain that for a minute, but I did a topical analysis is that it isn't just carbs. Yeah. You know, well, it's, I mean, there, the, so in terms of that, like the, the people are, if you're in drink alcohol, inevitably, like for me, if I'm going to drink alcohol, here's what I do. I get a vodka water. Like I'll get, you know, just vodka, clear alcohol straight and a glass of water. I mean, I, I don't shoot shots anymore. I'm not 22. I can't. I mean, if I do, it's, it's like Don Julio tequila and it's a special occasion. Um, but I don't I, I don't really drink wine anymore. I, I mean, occasionally I don't really drink beer ever. Um, if I want, like I said, I do like a clear liquor with water. Um, I think I can't remember how many calories are in a shot of vodka. I think it's like 40. It's something it's, it's like one of the lowest calorie counts anyway. But your body at the end of the day still needs to burn that. So um, like a shot of whiskey, I think might be 70. Uh, beers are typically like 90 to 110, 120, like Drew alluded to. Uh, and I don't know what a glass of wine is. I've got to assume it's up there, too. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, once again, it depends on how concentrated the alcohol is and how much concentration is, how many grams of alcohol is contained. Yeah. So I've never, like, I've, quite frankly, I've never, I don't drink hardly ever, so I've never, like, crunched the numbers. I'm like, all right, how many, what percentage for whatever calculates how many grams of alcohol? I've never looked at that, quite frankly. I mean, they have nutrition facts that go per three ounces. You have X amount of calories so and so forth. And then it's also really easy to, people get the carb thing in there. We start drinking all this shit, like margaritas and stuff that's mixed with something like Jack and Coke. If you're using, like, full mm-hmm. sugar and Coke, with jack or if you're using like margaritas which have all the added sugar to it all the fruit juices things like that that's where like you know the extra calories on top of the alcohol comes from so out of curiosity what was the what was the drink of choice in nebraska growing up nebraska quite frankly as horrible as it was i don't know why maybe around my hometown same thing everybody loved bush light really so i mean i mean in terms of like our mixers back in wisconsin was like captain and diet it's like that was the I think it also where I was too. You're talking like small town farmers, yeah. so and so forth. People in Hawaii, guys, we're not we're not that fucking dirt poor farmers. You guys can afford some Bud Light at least, something a little smoother. Some people there's, there's a big three. There there's uh, there's Bush Light and Coors. You know everybody's like, oh the Coors is cowboy piss. It's so so watery. Otherwise people like Bud Light, but for whatever reason Bush Light was the thing everybody went to. Sure guys, all right, cool. If yeah. you don't like the bar stuff, it's more of a mix, but. I don't know. I just you tailgate and then people still love Bud and Bush. You did you did allude to a bunch of Midwestern stuff before between Bush Light and Bratwurst. So those of you who don't know the Bratwurst is, you can Google it. They exist. Most of the time, it's like north of uh, whatever the line would be. But you probably don't have any. Do you even have Bratwurst in, in Florida? Yeah, you do. And I know. I think we do. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I think we do. Five. All right. So you have it's a goal. Right the episode with, with something here on the third. I think you and I have discussed this. So the, the thing is, too, I always love. Fuck with people. I love discovering regional food. I'm a food guy. You know, I don't care less about drinking. I just love trying different food. If you're in South Florida, all the Venezuelan food, Colombian food, Cuban, Brazilian, there's tons and tons and tons of good food down here. But the thing, of course, you know, you're from Wisconsin, Minnesota. You know, of course, you got all the brats, cheese curds. Um, what is it? Lutka fish? That's something that's, that's more that's of a, a That's the Minnesota thing. Wild rice is a kind of a Minnesota thing. Yeah. Like... So the one I'm going to throw at you, too, and everybody thinks I'm fucking crazy. This is a thing. I think you and I talked about this. In Nebraska, a very specific thing in the wintertime, you always have cinnamon rolls with your chili. Yeah. And, and, and I, I still don't believe it until I Googled like, it. What the fuck? I'm like, no. So I, in my head, I think people picture like a cinnamon roll on a plate, and you're like like a chili dog pouring chili over top of it. No, you don't have to do that. It's not the case. Like you have you know your bowl of chili, eat it like a normal human being, but you also have a cinnamon roll like as dessert, or you can eat like a bite of your cinnamon roll, you know, in between. You don't have to dip it. It doesn't have to be combined. You know, you have the same meal. 
We need the when I'm down there. We, you, you better have cinnamon rolls and chili ready for me, Drew. That's that's my that's my welcome to South Florida gift in two weeks. It's gonna be like 85. It's great. I can't <laughs> wait. If you guys like what you heard, make sure you hit that subscribe button on the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify. We're on YouTube as well. We're over at Facebook. Um, we are the Iron Jungle Podcast. If you have any topics of consideration, hit us up. We will love to talk about it. Until next time, it's the Gorilla Man himself, Drew Peters, Ryan Buckeye. Appreciate it. Everybody, behave yourself.